Well, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We are in a series called This Is Us. We're being intentional about casting vision uh, and just revisiting the heartbeat and the DNA of who we are as a community of faith. We started this series with a series of messages about the Word of God, uh, that here at City Church we're committed to the Word of God, and therefore we are a gospel-shaped community of faith. That means we allow the Word of God to inform our decisions, our thoughts, our words, and our Actions. Secondly, uh, not only are we a gospel-shaped community of faith, uh, secondly and equally as important is the fact that we value authentic community. Amen. And we've sort of been unpacking what this word koinonia means. Uh, koinonia is the word translated fellowship in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. In fact, that's our anchor text for this series of messages is lifted from Acts chapter 2. And you'll notice that the early church continued steadfastly. That means they prioritized, number one, the word of God. We are gospel shaped. Number two, fellowship or koinonia. That word fellowship means close association. That means you're okay with people getting close to you. And we talked about that extensively. That here at City Church, we don't love from a distance. We get up close and personal because that is a picture of what the early church looked like. Close association, community, communion, joint participation. One of my favorite words. That means everyone did their part. They didn't leave it up to one person or to the pastor or to the leaders or to the elders or to the deacons. There was joint participation, which comprised the koinonia uh, that the early church experienced. And thirdly, or finally, intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. And so we've been on this journey um, and we've been really discussing 13 one another statements. Uh, What we said was that phrase one another appears how many times in the New Testament? Don't don't tell them. So that one of the reasons I go through review is for that reason. The scripture says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God, not by having heard. So we've revisited this four times. So anybody, how many times? Don't look at your U version notes. Don't look at your U version notes. The phrase one another appears how many times in the New Testament? A <laughs> good answer. A lot. A hundred and sixteen times. That means that maybe God wanted to emphasize something to us as Christ followers. That our priority shouldn't be ourselves. Our priority in serving Jesus should be one another. And so we're going to pick up where we left off. We've covered uh, the first eight one another statements or, or categories, we've, we've, we've kind of narrowed it down, those 116 statements to 13 categories. We've covered the first eight, and we're going to pick up where we left off with number nine, statement number nine. And uh, can I flip the script? You want to go first? Why don't you go first? I'll bring up the rear. How about that? Is that going to throw you, Kelly? We're having another issue. Okay. All right. Well, y'all follow along. How about that? All right. For those of you who follow along with version notes, the notes are available there, man. Jump on there, follow along, add your own notes, and save that event so you can always revisit those notes. In fact, let's do this. Let me pray, and then we'll dive into the Word. How about that? Hug me real good, baby, around my waist. There you go. Come on. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for your precious holy word, that it will not return unto you void, but it will always prosper in the thing whereunto it is sent. 
Father, today we thank you that you send your word to our hearts and that the entrance of your word brings light. We thank you for illumination. Help us to see the things that we need to see. First of all, about ourselves. And then, Father, uh, in our relationship with others. Lord, we trust you for that now. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. One another. Why don't you kick it off, baby? All right. I'll be starting on my notes. They may be jumbled up. It's uh, number 10 that we have today. It's be patient. I think you were starting off at number eight, okay. according to our notes. But I'm at number 10. Be patient with one another. And that scripture is taken from Romans 15, 5. So you can look it up or... Romans 15, 5 says in the New King James, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Did I read the right thing? Toward one another, yes. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Jesus Christ. So being patient with one another is not just a great idea. It's not just being a kind person. This is according to Jesus. So being patient with people, I know sometimes the line can get blurred uh, from being patient to being uh, taken advantage of to being a doormat. But we all have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And when, if you're getting, in, in being patient, if you are feeling uncomfortable, then just say it. Say, mm, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't, I don't think that, let's talk this through. But in being patient, sometimes it doesn't mean that you don't have to have boundaries. You can still have boundaries. That's not going to work for me. And you can, because we love Jesus, if you get your eyebrows really, really high, they will not see your frustration. Because this one thing you can say, mm-mm, I ain't finna do that. Or you can say, oh, friend, that doesn't work for me. Or let's talk that through. And sometimes the, the principles of God do not come natural or easy to the human character. It takes a lot of effort. And I notice that the more patient I am with my process with God, the more grace I can give to others. So sometimes if I notice that my rigidity uh, in recent months, I've noticed that I thought my legalism and rigidity was because I was an elementary school teacher. I kind of come from that old school way. But I noticed that my rigidity has something to do with how I view God. Is that I was saying he's a loving father, but I'm thinking he's just all black and white. I'm singing about his grace. But I noticed that my handling of others was a same rigidity that I dealt with myself internally and even in my approach with God. So being patient with one another is a principle of Christ, and it's not just a good idea, but we have to be like-minded. We have to be on one accord. Can I have permission to share about our journey briefly? So Lisa and I have been friends probably 13 years, 12, 13 years. In the process, we've gone from being, I was just her son's children's pastor, then we were really great friends. We graduated from the same university, but they, she and Cedric were graduating out when I was coming in. We have all these things in common. We became great friends. Then we went from being the children's pastor to a good, great girlfriend to now her pastor's wife. And we've had many changes in our relationship. 
And in that process, we have had a few three and a half hour conversations fighting for the preservation of our relationship. And it's when things haven't been right, you know, we did real regular. I wish we would, you know, had said we were we could testify we were good scriptural women, but we've had some knockdowns, not drag them out. And it's been in respect, you know, and it's been a lot by her initiation because I am a runner hider. I can be more defensive, but in that defensiveness, I'll hide. And so get a call. She say, hey, what's going on? There's nothing going on with me. And we've had to fight that way through and be patient with one another. Things I didn't understand, things that I could do in my hiding to be offensive. And so I share that with you is that this is not just a point for the sermon. This is what we're living out daily. We are in a really good place, but we didn't get that just by coming to church and have hugging each other. We have had to have some lunches. It's been some tears, some lunches, some disappointments, some, some never any ugly words. It's been in respect, but it's like, hey, and I appreciate that because I can say in our friendship, in our sisterhood, she has really fought to maintain a relationship. And it has been hard, and it was hard for me. And we, we are in a good place, but we have to fight through. And this was about a year and a half, almost a two-year process, just because our roles change, different things change. People in the busyness, you can offend people and not even know it, or it, just not even having a follow-up conversation. So being patient, don't believe the world standard where it's all about you and you could just write off and you could just do you and all that. That's not the way of the believer. That do you, boo? Yeah, it don't really work that way. Right. Can I jump in? Yes. No, powerful, powerful stuff. Uh, how many of you have ever struggled with patience? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, a few heads. Uh, uh, and, and, and if we're honest, I think there have been moments when we've all struggled with patience. One of the ways we define patience here at City Church is moving at somebody else's pace. And it can be frustrating sometimes because we are conditioned to want for life to happen at our pace. It's the reason sometimes we get frustrated with God, because God is not moving as quickly as we, he would like, uh, we would like him to. The same is true in our interpersonal relationships. It, it, patience is not only learning to move at someone else's pace. The second thing about patience that is critical is patience is about giving someone else room to grow. Most of us get frustrated with people, not because they're not moving at our pace, but because they're not growing at our pace. But notice the, 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 the passage that Wendy read, Romans 15, 5, if we can put that back on the screen. It says, now may the God of patience and comfort. Check this out. God is the God of patience and comfort. That means if God gives us an instruction, he is going to empower us to walk it out. The, we, we usually struggle with God's instructions when we try to do it in our own strength and our own ability. But if we begin to lean on God, who is the God of patience, he will empower us to learn to move at someone else's pace. Notice it says, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. That means God can grant us the grace to be like-minded, to be as patient with others as he is with us. Notice God's patience now as it's described in the Psalms. A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Mm -hmm. 
That means God can give you the grace to accelerate what needs to be accelerated. And he can give us the grace to slow down what's, what needs to be slowed down in our relationships with others. So patience is a big, big deal. But notice, God can empower you to grow in patience, not only toward him, but with each other. One more thing I'll say. One more thing I'll say. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, so I don't forget. Uh, powerful what you shared about your relationship with Lisa. Uh, some relationships, y'all, are worth fighting for. And sometimes we lose the relationships that have the most potential because we're unwilling to have crucial conversations. We just walk away. Now, let me tell you something about crucial conversations. Crucial conversations are uncomfortable, but they are necessary. They are necessary. So there's a great book by the same name, Crucial Conversations. And if you've been here, you've probably heard me talk about the book. And the authors, there are four authors, and they say there are three reasons why all of us should have crucial conversations. Number one, because opinions vary. You see it one way, I see it one way. Come on, somebody. We need to have more crucial conversations in the bedroom. Y'all missed that. I'm saying husbands and wives need to have more crucial conversations. And when you don't have crucial conversations because your opinions vary, most people, husbands and wives, suffer in silence. But it's eaten both of y'all up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So have the crucial conversations because opinions vary. Uh, Wendy and I are wired the same way. If you've done uh, premarital counseling with us, you've taken the, the Kendall Life Languages profile. Wendy and I are both shapers. The thing about shapers is shapers have a plan. We're both shapers, so that's a good thing to have a plan. The problem with shapers is we are committed to our plan. And we fight for our own plan. So the problem sometimes that Wendy and I, the conflict we've had in our relationship, hasn't been about what we want. We both want the same thing. Usually the conflict is about how we get it. So some of you might say, hey, we're going to Austin for the weekend. One husband say, okay, let's jump on Southwest. 20 minutes, we're there. Other brothers say, no, we're going to drive. Y'all both want to go to Austin, but you're fighting over how to get there. Crucial conversations are necessary because opinions vary. You see it one way, they see it another way. The second reason to have crucial conversations, and maybe I'm all up on your point, I'm sorry. But this, she said, mm-hmm, I, I'm going to go quick. Uh, the second reason to have a crucial conversation, okay, is because, oh, emotions run deep. Emotions run deep. I had to go back in my Rolodex. Emotions run deep. Let me tell you why that's important. Because we attach emotions, we attach our emotions to how we see things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If, if Terrell says, let's fly, Tyra says, let's drive. There's emotions attached to that. It's not just a, a, an intellectual thing. Because once y'all start to argue about it, then you start to say, well, what's wrong with my plan? What's wrong with me? How can we never get to do it my way? And so all of a sudden, just because you saw things differently, now it's beginning to affect you emotionally. If you don't have those crucial conversations, your relationship goes from just an intellectual level. You see it differently. It begins to impact you emotionally. And third is uh, uh, stakes are high. What happens if I don't have this crucial conversation? And that's why most of us just hang there. And pretend that it doesn't exist. 
But the truth is, what happens if we don't talk about this thing? Not only do people end up suffering in silence, but they decide, I can't live with this person no more. When all that was necessary was just a crucial conversation. The last thing I'll say about what you said, you mentioned boundaries, right? You don't let people, don't become anybody's doormat. But here's one of the rules of thumb that Wendy and I use when it comes to what's acceptable and not acceptable. Let me tell you a good boundary to have. When helping you is hurting me, I've become an enabler. Y'all missed that. When helping you is hurting me, I have become an enabler and it's time to have a crucial conversation about this relationship. Because now my kindness is being taken for a weakness. So it's okay to be patient with people, but you can't be impatient with people indefinitely. At some point, a crucial conversation has to happen. Even God, who is patient and loving, has crucial conversations with us. Is that right? Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Sorry. One thing about the scripture to point out in Romans 15, 5, it says uh, that we be granted to be like-minded. And that's where Lisa and I could meet in the middle. When we were having differences, and she's also, she and Cedric are also Levi's godparents. So our relationship is on so many levels, but we're both believers. And I remember one time, uh, probably in the second conversation we were having, we just decided it's just not going to be a good witness. How are we just not going to be friends after all these years? Or how do we not do life together? And so, but we're like-minded. We love Jesus. We love one another. And we just had to work some things out. And I've had to grow in that. And sometimes you can have blind spots. And it's hard to, to deal with yourself. It's hard to hear about, you didn't do this thing right. Or what you did hurt me. And sometimes you're completely unaware. So I say that to give a real-life example. But I also want to honor you and thank you for being the initiator and helping preserve our relationship. I have... We're doing our part, and we're so beyond that point. But it was rough, but we had to be patient. And where could we agree on? As we love Jesus. How are we just going to not be friends, going to church, have to do family life together, and we're just going to be mad about what? Because I'm going to be stubborn and not change, or I'm going to say, oh, well, just because you feel that way, that's not the way I think. Or I mean, all that foolishness. And we just had to settle it. But it, it took some tears, some uncomfortable conversations, some hours. And now it is so not uncomfortable. We go out. We went over for Cedric's birthday. The kids, it's back more healthy now because there are no blind spots. There are no issues. There is an open door. If there is some offense, it's like, hey, that made me feel uncomfortable or let's talk about it. But because there is an awareness and there is love and we are like-minded, we are good. Comfort is next. Comfort one another. Yes, comfort one another. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5.11. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, comfort one another. Edify one another, just as you also are doing. So now to comfort one another, it doesn't mean we had a situation where I found out on Facebook uh, one of our members had surgery. And because of their work schedule, they're not here regularly. And so I didn't know they didn't call. And so I've got some options. Do I say, well, they didn't even call, so forget it. Or do I call and pray and comfort 
And the day of sending flowers, flowers are great, but cookies are better. And so, and send some, you know, Tiff's treats and comfort one another. And sometimes uh, the life of the believer is not the tit for tat. It's not, well, you do this for me and you didn't do this for me and you didn't. And I said, and I hear from the word of God, we are called to comfort one another. Sometimes we don't comfort one another, not because we have ill intentions or we're mad. Sometimes we just don't know how. Or sometimes we're just selfish. Let's tell the truth and shame the devil. Sometimes we're just selfish. Let me tell you something where that, that selfishness originates. Uh, we've been wounded ourselves. And nobody did it for us. So I ain't going to do it for you. And when we have been hurt, if we don't allow ourselves to heal, what ends up happening is we withhold the best part of who we are. It makes it difficult for celebrating. And here's the other thing. Not only that we've been wounded, uh, but sometimes it's difficult to comfort people when we get trapped in comparison. Let me tell you why that's critical. It's hard to celebrate somebody else when you feel like you've been left behind. Uh, that's the difficulty with some of us. See everybody else ahead of us and you feel like your life is moving too slow. You thought you would be much farther along by now and you see somebody ahead of you where do you get the courage to celebrate them when you're unhappy with where you are? Uh, it's critically important. But this is what the scripture says. Maybe I keep interrupting your stuff. Okay, so let me just read this real quick. She said yes. See, we had a crucial conversation yesterday, and I told him, why don't you just do this by yourself? And not being ugly, like we're just going to, let's just be honest. And that's not, that wasn't being ugly. This guy is brilliant. He's anointed. I've, you see, I have my pen up here. I take notes and everything, too. So then I said, well, so we won't have that because we're both shapers. So, of course, you know, I think what I have to say matters. And he's just all over my thoughts. And then I'm getting them all out of sequence. And I couldn't even finish the thought I had with Lisa. So I had told him yesterday when we sat down to do this, you should probably just do this by yourself right. since you're so full. But I'm here because I am a submitted wife. Say that one more time, baby. I am here because I am submitted. Because when I asked him, I said, just do it by yourself. He said, no, baby, come on. And so when I was in the shower today, I was like, you don't have to be number one. Just sit there with your ankles crossed and just keep your mouth shut and your eyebrows high. <laughs> All right. Okay, can I? No, that was good, though. That was very good. Uh, yeah, okay, so Authentic community. No, it's authentic. It starts in the bedroom. So we're going to have another little talk today give me some of that sheet music glory to god oh our, is our daughter here in front row are you grossed out right now she said yes all right so 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 comfort one another okay so 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 uh let me just read this real quick please let, let me just read this real quick uh second corinthians uh chapter one and i don't know if you'll be able to get it but second corinthians chapter one Verses 3 through 5. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It's about comfort. It's about comfort. Uh, so sometimes we don't comfort people because uh, we've been wounded. Sometimes we don't comfort people because uh, we feel uh, like we've been left behind. The, the sort of this comparison thing. And it's hard to say nice things about people who 
are ahead of us because we feel stuck. Uh, but, but let me just read this, and it might help us with our ability to comfort others. Yeah. Just to compliment and say nice things about others when they're struggling, it'll help us reframe our pain. Yes. Okay, so uh, verse three says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Check this out, why does God comfort us in our tribulation? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. You know what he's saying? Is? He says sometimes we go through difficult things. We, we struggle and we have ad experience adversity. But in those moments of adversity, the God of all comfort and mercy comes down. Remember what the Beatitude said? Blessed are the mercy. I mean, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. That in our time of pain, we get to experience a side of the fatherhood of God where he comforts us. But it doesn't stop there. He says, after you and I have been comforted by the God of all comfort and mercy, we too then should be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort that we were comforted with. Can I help you reframe your pain? Maybe what you're going through is not only about you, but it may be about the people that God will assign you to comfort after he's brought you through. Sometimes the, th the trouble we experience as Christians is not really about us, but it's about the people that are watching us. Did you ever stop to consider that? That maybe God trusted you enough with this trouble like he did Job. And he says, maybe I can trust Tony. Maybe I can trust Nia. Maybe I can trust Wendy and Ray with this adversity, this affliction. And while they're going through, I will comfort them. But after they've come through, they will comfort others who watch them go through. Let me say this about pain. God never wastes our pain. Never. Never wastes our pain. So think about those times when God comforted you. And turn, be intentional about finding someone who could use your comfort right now. One of the things that blows my mind about the story of David when he came back to Ziklag is that even though he had led these men in battle, the scripture says that all of those men turned on him and wanted to stone him. Now, even though we talk about the fact that David encouraged himself in the Lord, I think the second part of that story is the fact that David had no one to comfort him. Even though he had invested his life in protecting those men, leading those men and protecting their families. And when he needed it, no one, not one of those men encouraged him. He had to encourage himself. Let that never be the testimony of City Church. That anybody in this room ever has to walk alone. Amen. Let's be the ones who comfort them. Especially because we have experienced the comfort of God. Sorry, baby. It's okay. And sometimes you may not, um, sometimes people just don't know what to do. You just don't know, like, okay, what do I say or how do I do this or what do I do? You can always just get a card. If you don't have their address, you can just bring it to church and give it to them. Um, 
you can always just walk up to somebody and say, you know what, I know you're going through this. I don't even know what to say, but you're in my thoughts. That means a lot. Even if you don't know what to say, that's something to say. Say, I wish I really could help you. I, I don't know what to do. There's this um, story, and I'm not going to belabor it, but it's about, you know, I used to teach school, and so we always have these little stories. But it's a story about these two little girls. It was show and tell, and one of them brings a porcelain doll it makes the doll makes it through the day on the way home the doll drops and breaks you know just shatters and so one of her little friends was with her and gets home late and the mom is fussing why are you home so late and she said well Sally brought her doll for show and tell when we got off the bus it dropped and it broke and the mom said oh you helped her put it back together she said no I helped her cry because it was shattered she couldn't put it back together so when we comfort one another, sometimes we just can't put stuff back together. But we can sit and we can cry. We can mourn with those who mourn. If you're not a crier, you don't have to get fake tears. But you, we had a situation years ago. You've heard the story. We had a, one of our members was, was due in nine days. She calls us and says, hey, I'm just going to run up to the hospital. I don't remember the baby moving. And so we didn't hear back till like 10 o'clock that night and it was not a good report so the next morning the baby was still born she had the baby at 7 a.m we got Nia off to school and uh, I just went to the hospital I took McDonald's breakfast I didn't know about La Madeline's at that time but I took McDonald's breakfast and I just stayed with her nine hours and I just cried I was like I I wish I had the scripture I wish I had the words I'm so sorry and I just cried and I just cried with her, and I just cried. And not to put on, I just sat in a chair, and she'd lift her head up, and she said, I just don't understand. And all I would say is, I know. And then a few minutes later, she was like, but he was so innocent. And I just said, yes. And all I could say is, I'm sorry. And so I couldn't make that situation okay, but I helped her cry. And so in comfort, just sometimes you just being present, not even saying anything, just you just people see you. I've gone to 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 funerals where there's been a, a sudden death and you might not be close to people, but you just go through the line, touch a hand and go. That is enough. People will remember that, that you're there. So comfort. Sometimes when you don't know what to do, just do something, give and it shall be given to you. And so that's not just financially, that's in friendship, that's in finances, it's in comfort, it's in so many things. And you may not be able to share everything with everybody all the time, but when we can do our part, nobody is, is missing. And I know we talk about what we do. I also acknowledge that there are a lot of things that drop through the cracks because we are human beings. So if there's ever been a time when you've had loss and you've needed something and we have not responded, please forgive us. That has not been our intention. And be patient and give us a chance to, to make it up. So sometimes when you tell the stories of what you are doing, people really have a real, I have not experienced that. And so we are not picking and choosing. But let us know that is like 90% of the battle. Sometimes we just don't know. And so again, but we are called to comfort one another. Uh, Tony, why don't you stand? Uh, Tony is uh, our director of pastoral care. Uh, so typically if there is a hospital visit, if someone has a need, uh, Tony is the guy that you uh, will contact. And I'm just drawing blanks now on, uh, I think it's pastoral care, pastoral care 
at citychurchtv.com. Pastoral care at citychurchtv.com is the email you want to send it to. Or if you're here this morning and you have a need, let Tony know. He'll pass that on to us or just let us know directly. But we want to be able to serve and minister to you and your families in your time of need. Uh, let, let me read this to you. And because, uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's this comfort thing is huge. Uh, and no one should mourn alone. No one should suffer alone. And that's what happens when the body of Christ is being the body of Christ. When the church is functioning as the church, no one should suffer alone. But there's tremendous wisdom in what you said. Sometimes all you got to do is just show up. So, so notice, uh, and I'm going off the dome, but Job chapter 3, um, Job chapter 2, Job chapter 2, verse 11. If you can, put it on the screen. I'll just read a couple verses. Job chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. We're not the biggest church in the world, but one of the things that Wendy and I are committed to is we want to be the most authentic church in the world. That when we look at God's word and people visit our church and interact with people at our church, we want it to be a reflection of what they see in the Bible. And that's why we're taking the time to teach this series. So Job chapter 2 verse 11, it says, Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Notice what they did. They went out of their way to go to where Job was. They went out of their way to go to where Job was. Let's be the kind of church that when we recognize a need or become aware of a need, that we don't just pray, but let's get up from where we are and go to where they are to meet the need, to meet the need. Uh, one of the things we say here at City Church is the quickest way to starve a horse is to assign two people to feed it. Oh, no, well, Nabil, I thought you were feeding the horse. No, uh, Ray, I thought you were feeding the No, I thought it was your turn. And, and so what we do is needs go unmet because everybody, oh, well, I thought the church was supposed to do that. You are the church. We are the church. So, so when his three heard, friends heard what happened, they went to him. For some of you, it may mean buying a plane ticket to go to a friend you haven't seen in a year who desperately needs you right now. For some of you, it might be driving across town. For some of you, it might be taking a day off from work. But Job's three friends, and you all heard me say it last week now, I'm redefining that word friend. I will. <clears throat> so his three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, uh, for they all made an appointment together. Mm. Come on, somebody. They made an appointment together to come and mourn with him mm. and to comfort him. Not to take a girlfriend's weekend, not to go to the spa and, and, and take off them bunions and corns. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> they came together, made an appointment, called each other up, said, y'all, Job going through, man. Y'all heard I say that? Job going through, man. 
what we're going to do about it. Made an appointment to comfort and to mourn with him. Uh, and when they had raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him. This is their friend. And when they saw Job, they couldn't even recognize dude. Because the last time they saw Job, he was balling out of control, y'all. Had his Louis belt. Y'all know how y'all do with the big LV? Some of y'all. Had in his Ferragamo loafers. I'm sure you can appreciate that, Brian White. <laughs> balling! And he was so hurt and beat up and sick. Didn't even recognize him. And when they saw him, man, their response was just to lift up their voices and weep and cry to God. Uh, now, now, now notice what happened. Uh, uh, and each tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. It's a sign of, of great humility and contrition. Look at verse 13. So they sat down with him on the ground. I'm going to get where you are. Seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his grief was great. Now that's the way chapter 2 ends. The rest of Job, which is 40 plus books, is the problems that Job's friends created when they opened their mouth up. Everything was fine for seven days and for seven nights when they just sat there with him and cried. The problem started when they tried to explain why Job was going through what he was going through. Sometimes the greatest comfort we can offer each other is not to say a word. Not to say a word. All right, my love. Yes. So here's the deal. Um, we were informed this morning, come on, y'all, we got to get a building, y'all. <laughs> we were informed this morning, no, y'all don't be alarmed. They ain't putting us out. Let me, <laughs> I saw Monica look up like, what they tell you, pastor? You know that look? They don't call you pastor. They say pastor. What they tell you, pastor? No, I'm just kidding. They ain't putting us out. But there's a movie starting here at 1230, at 1230, meaning we got to be out of all this stuff, got to be packed and gone uh, so the people can come in at 1230. So our intention was to finish everything this week because I wanted to talk about something different next week but what we're going to do is finish your three and then we're going to do my three next week and then we're going to be done with the series uh, so it's 11:21. let's wrap up did you have something else to say I'm sorry about comfort oh I was just going to say that it, it goes both ways at the end of Job 42 we see that Job's breakthrough came even though he was the one that had trouble is he ended up praying for those three friends it says, and when Job prayed for his friends and everyone had turned against him. And so sometimes we can, things can happen to us and we can have that mentality, that kind of a victim mentality. Well, what do I need to pray for you? I'm the one that's suffering. Right. And he was, the one who was suffering. Was the one who prayed for his friends who were suffering. Right. And the, that's when he got his breakthrough. Because he suffered even worse and longer and his wife turned against him and everything. But uh, Job said, I will, I will curse the day I was conceived in my mother's womb before I ever curse God. 
and he held on when we said he's a promise keeper. He's a way, uh, I'm getting my songs mixed up, but when we were saying way maker, is that God kept his promise to Job. Job's life, nowhere in the Bible do you say it will always be well with you, thou believer, and thou is God. But it says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions, and so in comfort, it can go both ways. Now, if you're going through a season, that doesn't mean you just jump up and be spirit-led. Do what is right in the moment. There was a moment, a window, when Job was like, let me just pray for these monkeys right here because they're just not making anything any better. And it was out of love that he could have just sat there and just shook his head and continued in his sickness. But what he had in him which was our, our spirit man is strong, even though our circumstances and our bodies may be weak. But he, Job had already known God to be God. And that was something he didn't turn away from, even in his calamity. So good. So good. And the fact that Job prayed for his friends means that he had experienced the comfort of God, even in his affliction. So it goes back to what we read. Uh, we comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort we received from God. All right. Have peace with one another. This is where we close uh, today. Have peace with one another. And that's in Romans fourteen nineteen. Therefore, let us pursue. That is active. <laughs> Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. And so to be in pursuit of something that is an active initiative. That's what I talked about with Lisa. Lisa was in pursuit of a healthy relationship, a healthy friendship. And so to edify one another, to build up, say, hey, this is more common with women. Say, hey, you all right? You ain't speak today? You know, people can lose their whole salvation if you don't say good morning to them at church. And I don't say this to make light or be fun or, or to bash people, but it's a very real situation is that you can walk by somebody and not speak and you can just be thinking so many different things and then they can be like, I can't believe it. And what did I do? Why is she mad at me? And I'm not going to go back because I don't want to go and be somewhere where I'm uncomfortable. And it was all a simple high when you can say, hey, is everything okay? I've made so many phone calls going up 121, leaving church, because I'm like, did I look at Christina in her face and I didn't speak and say hi? And then just being nervous and in bondage and in fear, which does not come from God, and call and say, hey, Christina, did I say, did I look at you and, and not speak? And there have been times, this is not a true story. She just looks so cute over there with her belly. I just mentioned her name. So, But I've done that before, and people say, oh, yeah, sometimes people are relieved. I don't try to live in that kind of bondage anymore and we are a, a healthier church but that's a part of not me just doing that for them but also recognizing that when people have the influencer party windy all the time when I come to church I'm usually not in that mode I'm going through a checklist I'm trying to make sure everybody for children's church is on time do they have their t-shirts do they have this and and I'm just thinking 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 and so I'm not as friendly but it's not because I'm mean but if you've always had the friendly party girl and then you get to church and I'm in shaper mode like what do I need to do what did I not do and then it's like well why is she acting funny or she's over there hugging Lisa but she didn't talk to me and all those types of things so can I can I say this real quick mm -hmm. 
Pastors are human too, y'all. No, we're human too, though. And I know sometimes pastors and leaders are held to a higher standard. But sometimes we might miss somebody. We might be looking at you and thinking about a thousand different things and walk right past you. But it's not that we don't love you. It's not that we don't see you. So just a little bit of grace and mercy uh, uh, for your pastor sometimes. And, uh, and a text and a call always works too. You can just say, are you all right? I know Tanisia is so good about that. She'll send me a text and say, I'm just checking on you. And I'll say, hey, how you doing this talk? And she said, you okay? Because I saw you Sunday. Or she'll be, she just, the Lord has, she just has something for me. She'll text me and pray, but she'll check. Instead of jumping to conclusions, she didn't even speak this morning. She'll just text, hey, is everything okay? And so then I'll usually call back, hey, yeah, what's going on? She said, well, Sunday you looked a little worried or you seem a little frazzled or something, and we can talk it through. But she doesn't have to think, well, is she upset? Because the last time we talked, she will reach out. And so sometimes just reaching out, giving grace, and then going down what is true. If that is not the normal bent of a person, then something is, you know, going on. So Can I jump in? Mm-hmm. All right. So, so, so Jesus... What would happen if I just said no? <laughs> Have you ever wondered that? Like, if somebody, because I thought about that when I said, Lisa, can I share? But what if she really wanted to say no? Because you kind of put somebody on the spot. I'm not going to try it out today, but right. I mean, like, have you ever? <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying it out because I am submitted to my king. But it's just like, cause, because I am submitted to my king. But I just had that, like, that little kindergarten urge. Like, what if I just said, nope, not today? <laughs> Not today. Um, no, but really, if you don't want me to, I won't. I, I, I learn from you, please. Okay, so, so Jesus. Okay, so check this out, right? They've been waiting for the Messiah 2,000 years. This is his first sermon, his first public appearance. And for most of us, if, if we're going to introduce ourselves for the first time, right, our first impression counts, right? So you want to make sure you say all the right things the first time. So the Sermon on the Mount is his first public sermon. So uh, that means that Jesus is introducing himself and he has reserved what he's about to say because it is extremely important. Among the things that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is verse number nine, Matthew five and verse nine. He says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus establishes living a peaceful life with others as a priority for those who are sons and daughters of God. Not to live in strife, not to live in tension, not to live in unresolved conflict. He says, you know how people are going to know or call you sons of God? It's by your ability to live in peace with others. Uh, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. And Kelly, if you can, uh, you can put that on the screen. 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 Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. If it is possible, that infers that it's not always going to be possible. But it says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you. The question becomes, if there is conflict and strife, what is my contribution to it? And as much as it depends on me, I will do my part to be a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Ooh, 
I'm taking it back. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. Come on. So I had a situation. My feelings got hurt. Someone says they weren't gossiping about me, but someone said something that was true for them, and my feelings got hurt. So in the name of worldly leadership, I said, well, if they had a problem, they could have come to me. Wrong. But that's where I was sitting and stewing and licking my wounds and playing a sad, sad violin. I spent all this time and I, I, I. And one day I was upstairs vacuuming. And I just heard, I know it's the Holy Spirit because it says all good and perfect gifts come from the Lord above. While I'm vacuuming, I heard, you made something out of that that it wasn't. And I was like, I made something out of that that it wasn't. And I said, I made something out of that that it wasn't. And it took me a week. I was so embarrassed. Because we talk about being word people. Matthew 15, 18, it says, if you know your brother has aught with you, you leave your gift at the altar and you go make it right. But I wanted to be somebody that I wasn't. And I'm thinking with my little hurt feelings, see, that's why we have to know the word and we got to grow up. And so I said, I made something that wasn't. So I'm calling this person because now I've already, because of my unhealth and my hurt feelings and I didn't deal with it initially, now I've made the situation very uncomfortable. So I'm calling, calling, calling. They might have been busy. So I just made one la uh, another phone call. I said, hey, I'm going to keep calling until you tell me not to call you anymore. And then I get a call, and I said, hey, can we revisit this situation? And see, sometimes your apology can be all the excuses. You made me do this, and that's why I did it, so I need you to forgive me. Instead of me doing that, I wrote out, it was a legal pad, one sheet of all the points of my contribution where I was wrong. I even went to Ray, and I said, I'm going to go and make this right. He said, well, do you really want to do it? I said, I have to take off the leadership hat. The Bible says, humble yourselves unto God. Resist the devil. Submit yourselves unto God and resist the devil. See, my flesh and the enemy is like, you don't have to go and apologize. People just be ungrateful. Just da -da -da -da. But that is not what I didn't want to feel that. That was the Holy Spirit. You, Wendy, made something out of that that it wasn't. And I went, and I wish I could say that I was just so professional. Y'all, I cried at a Starbucks near you. And I was so humiliated, but I needed to get that thing right between me and God. And I know what church hurt looks like and feels like, and I never want to be a contributor to another person's church hurt. And I went and I got it right and I had the points. I wrote out the scripture in Matthew. This is what the word says, and I didn't do it. Will you please forgive me? And you run the risk of people talking about you. Oh, da, da, da. this person didn't talk about me. But what I'm saying is, is when we have being patient with one another, living at peace, I was not going to be at peace until I got that thing right. And though nobody in the church knew about it, Ray knew about it, maybe one or two people because other people were involved because of my unhealth. So I had to go to them and say, hey, I'm going to go to this person. Can we all get back together? Everybody was cool except for me. And there was a greater weight of responsibility because of the leadership position. But I went woman to woman. I didn't make a dinner because I wasn't going to be able to eat. My stomach was all tore up. I didn't even get any water at the Starbucks. I just said, 
Can you please forgive me? These are the ways I missed it. I did not do what the word says and I didn't come to you. I made something out of this that it wasn't. And when I see this person, there is no, there is a purity because I got that thing right. But that had to do with between me and Jesus because my private life will either qualify or disqualify me from public ministry. I would have no right to sit here if I hadn't done that one single thing. And I could have gone to 15 pastors and pastor's wives and they would have said, oh, you don't have to go and do that. You don't, don't bow down to the people. It's not about a position or a title. It is about what does the word of God say. So being, living at peace with people, sometimes it does come at the expense of our pride. And it's not about winning the approval of men. It's about obedience to God, even if it means humbling yourself. So this is where we close. Um, uh, so important statement that you made. Uh, I'm just going to piggyback off of that and we're going to close. When you felt the Lord say, you felt this impression, you felt the Lord say to you, you've made something of that that it wasn't. Let me tell you the danger of, of, of sometimes why we struggle with conflict resolution. Here's why. Uh, uh, we let the sun go down on our wrath. If you're going to be a peacemaker, do it quickly. The longer you let it linger, the more you start telling yourself stuff that may not be true. So the scripture says, uh, uh, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And give no place to the devil. Do not give him a foothold. The word picture there in the Greek is that of an enemy landing on a beachhead. So if you've ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, that whole opening scene where the Americans are trying to land at Normandy, the reason the Nazis were shooting at them so hard was because they didn't want to give them a foothold or a landing place. Because once you allow the enemy to land, he's going to take over. So the key then, if you're not going to allow something, make something of, of something that it isn't, make peace quickly. So three things we say about being peacemakers, right? About being peacemakers and being proactive and being uh, uh, the initiators of peace. Uh, what are those three things that we say? And we use this in premarital counseling, even in marriage counseling. Number one. You can't have a tug of war if one person lets go of the rope. You can't have a tug of war if one person lets go of the rope. What that means is sometimes you have to, you have to let go. You have to let go. Don't fight for your way, which is the second thing. Mm -hmm. Number two, you can be right or you can live in. I'm sorry, that's the third one. Go ahead. No, that you're right. What I have is you can either be right or you can live in peace. You can be right or you can live in peace. All the married folk over here, you need to pay attention to that one. Number three is the greatest right you have as a believer is not to exercise every right that you have. Right. Y'all get that? Just because it's your right doesn't mean you have to exercise it. Jesus said, I can call down angels from heaven right now, get me off this cross. But if he had done that, we would still be dead in our sins. And that extends, so you have the right to say whatever you want to about the president. But is it right? How is that going to help the kingdom of God or your witness? Instead of exercising our rights on Facebook, it says in Second uh, Timothy to pray for leaders and those that are in authority. Romans 13.1 says all authority is set in place by God. And so I'm not going to get on that soapbox, but we don't, we want to extend this. Everything you always say in our messages, it's transferable. So it's not just in a friendship relationship or a marriage relationship. As I have the right 
to say whatever I want to say about whoever I want to say it about. But am I going to be right? Is it going to be just? Is it going to be godly? Is it going to bring anybody closer to Jesus? Or am I going to be stirring a pot pot that's just unnecessary? So every right in the tug of war, power struggles. I was in an internal power struggle. I was like, well, and you, that thing was so good, you just set me free on another level. Is it had, when the initial situation came to me, had I quickly said, hey, do we, can we talk? This is what has come to me and been humble then. I wouldn't have had to deal, and it just got out of hand, but I'm glad I learned my lesson because I will do that thing quickly because I was exercising what I thought was a right, but I was wrong the whole way. See, being right or living in peace, sometimes our being right is just not right. We say, oh, well, that's just how I am, or that's just how we grew up, or you know how folk do, and it doesn't... And it doesn't line up with the word of God. It doesn't line up with the word of God. <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, our goal is to obey God yeah. in all of our decisions, in all of our choices, mm-hmm. in all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. Does this honor God? Mm-hmm. Does this please God? No matter how hard it might be on our flesh and our preferences, mm-hmm. our goal in everything we do, when we comfort one another, mm-hmm. live at peace with one another, and... Yeah have patience with one another. The goal is not the approval of men, it's our obedience to God. And this is what I know, the obedience rests with us, the outcome rests with God. So I'll do my part to obey God and then trust him implicitly, entirely with the outcome. So when you are struggling with, what are they gonna say about me? What if they tell everybody? That's what I struggled with with this last situation. And that's the the outcome you have to leave to God. You just do your part. And what if they did tell everybody? What a good witness is. What if if the person had gossiped all around town? Can you believe Wendy came with her notepad to apologize? That's kind of a good thing. But I can't worry about that. You have to don't let your pride and your preference and saying, oh, well, what if they do this? Do what God says. Your reward and your honor will come from him. Amen. Did that help anybody this morning? Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to wrap up next week. We got the last three. We're going to wrap up. Why don't you stand and we'll pray with you. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. And Lord, your promise to us is that you will perfect everything that concerns.